0: Let's welcome Charles. Come on up, Charles. Thank you, Mike. That was just such a wonderful presentation. It's just amazing, isn't it? That how just a couple of scarves can communicate so much and so many different things, so versatile. Thank you, worship team. Let's give him a round of applause, Mike and the worship team. Woohoo! Um, I would also like to acknowledge we have some special guests today. Some of my very good friends, Freddie and Kieran. Um, you wanna... Some of you have uh, heard me talk about them. We talk about them often. Uh, they lead this ministry called Asha India. They serve over, over 700,000 slum residents in India. They have given over 30 years of their life serving these people that are just overlooked and treated like animals. And they have just done so much and placed over 2,000 of them into top universities in India. They are wonderful people, good friends. Thank you for joining us. We are strongly bonded in spirit. We are like, uh, we have, we think in very similar ways and it's just been a pleasure to have known them for a long time and we continue to support them and, you know, if you are interested, you know, do let us know and we might organize trips and stuff like that again. So anyway, wonderful Easter celebration. We've been preparing for today, right? For six weeks of Lent fasting and prayer and all these things we've done right um we've done half day retreat right here how many of you have gone to that retreat many of us um we've given you prayer beads they're wonderful things right prayer beads we love them we gave you daily devotional written by all the pastoral staff led by mike uh every day you were given a bible passage reflections and prayer points, and taking it home. We had agape prayer session. We did so much. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah? So staff put in a lot of work into all that. So special thanks to Allison and Amelia and Kevin and Mike. You know, let's appreciate all the work that's gone into that. Thank you, thank you. And if you could just give us some feedback, we would really love it. It will guide our efforts for next year in terms of what you enjoyed. And so, you know, let us know if you really appreciated the devotional or you appreciated this or that. That will help us planning for next year. So please give us some feedback. And so after six weeks of all this, we wrap it all today by celebrating Easter. The message of Easter speaks to what it means to be human. Itself. It's a profound message in Easter. At the beginning of this season, I preached about how to be human is to generate and assign meaning to everything and everyone. Um, I quoted a scholarly article on this to quote, Humans create meaning. In fact, it is a fundamental trait of humans to attach meaning to the objects they perceive in the world, to their relationships with others, to their own physical form, and to the various manifestations of agency encompassed by the category self. How we understand our self, how we exist itself. A trait that is as universal as that of language The complex operations that characterize human cognition carry this meaning-generating function on many levels, classifying an object according to selected criteria, attaching value to it, judging its appeal, are all mental operations that in one way or another give meaning to the phenomenal world. This is just a a fantastic observation of how human beings create, generate meaning, put value to everything, categorize them, rank them in hierarchy, and that's what it means to be human. That's how we even understand who we are ourselves. So integral to human existence as instinctive as language itself. And I proposed that there are two primary ways of doing this, two primary ways of generating meaning, as the Bible speaks of two trees at the heart of human existence. In Genesis chapter 2, at the beginning of the Bible, it says, At the center of the Garden of Eden were the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two trees. At the heart of human existence. It's a very poetic image. And one way to interpret this verse is that these two trees represent two ways of being a human being. Two ways of attaching meaning to what it means to live, to exist, what it means to be human. Two ways. Of generating meaning so seen in this way these two trees can represent two meaning generator in every human mind in your mind in everyone else's mind there are two different ways of generating and assigning meaning and it's our choice which one to go with one path is through the tree of knowledge of good and evil that word, good and evil, in original Hebrew, is tobe and wara. Tobe and wara. Tobe can also be translated as good, uh, better, uh, pleasant, delightful, ordered. And wara can also be translated as worse, not as pleasant, disagreeable, not very pleasant, uh, delightful. Not fine. Chaos. So tree of knowledge of good and evil can represent a hierarchy of value. Some things are good, more pleasant. Some things are bad, less pleasant. And you attach value and meaning depending on what criteria you have used. So for example, Being rich, what does that mean? Now, being rich is nice. It's good. I wish you all to be as rich as you can be. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen? (laughs) May you receive blessings of riches. Riches are good. It makes life pleasant. makes, you know, your money to spend, so it's convenient. But see, to be a human being is to attach meaning to that riches or money and in today's capitalistic society being rich means you are better human being you are more worthy than the poor people you are seen as worth more it's not just having more money there is a meaning to it i see a lot of yeah you know what i mean right People see you differently. People treat you differently. They think you are at a higher level of being. That's tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so too being other criteria, like being smart or beautiful or famous, right, in this society. And you can use many different criteria, depending on culture and time, and how people see things. So for example, if you were a dog-skinned human being 200 years ago in this country, you were seen as less than a human being. You were not treated like a human being. You were like cattle. Your worth was worthless. You know what I mean? You were slaved. You were enslaved, and people saw you like, you're nothing. Now, was that objectively true? That just having darker skin meant that you are worthless? I hope you don't think that today. No, that was inhuman and cruel and wrong and terrible, right? It was just a human construct, a mental exercise. But everyone kind of blindly accepted that back then, right? They didn't even see anything wrong with it back then because there was this hierarchy that was in everybody's background mind generating meaning. And it's not just slavery. A such way of organizing human society has been ubiquitous, universal, everywhere. Like, for example, for the longest time, human beings organized a hierarchy by birth, you had nobles, you had peasants, you had right, workers, you had slaves, and if you were born to a noble, then you were worth more. If you were born to a peasant, then you were worth less, right? So this hierarchy of things. Or Nazis claim that the Aryan race with blue eyes were worth much more than, say, Jews who were warah. They were worthless. Right? Or in India, there's widespread belief that Brahmins are tobe, and untouchables are warah. And there's a hierarchy, Meaning and value gets attached to that. And in today in America, it can be wealth, beauty, fame. They can decide your worth. And of course, in many quarters today, LGBTQ community are warah and treated and seen as bad or worthless, especially in many church settings, right? These are all arbitrary constructs, but the effects of such assigned meaning are real and profound and affects us in every way that we don't even see. Oftentimes, for example, a couple of weeks ago, there was a mass shooting in Nashville, a tragedy perpetrated by a transgender person. And in response, some politicians came out blaming LGBTQ community. Here's a recent news article headline. Republicans, including J.D. Vance and Marjorie Taylor Greene, are linking the shooter's trans identity to the attack. There's no evidence to suggest that identifying as transgender is predictive of violence. But regardless of whatever is true, because of these statements, because of this mentality, the LGBTQ community in many parts of this country are terrified of retaliation, right? Because, you know, to be LGBTQ is wara. they are causing violence, let's get them, right? That can be very easily become mob thing. The Jews experienced that in Nazi Germany, right? Let's get the Jews. They are wa-ra. the human society has this tendency to pick some minority group and put them as them versus us and scapegoat them uh, for all our troubles. And it can affect us in so many different ways. The fact is, absolute majority of mass shootings is perpetrated by, you can probably guess, white male, <laughs> right? Uh, but no white male gets terrified of retaliation, ever, <laughs> right? Because in such cases, it gets attributed to individual sickness or godless secular culture that's encouraging LGBTQ. It always comes back to it, right? And somehow, the untouchables, the Jews, the people on the outside, everything gets back to them, oppressed. This is the power of the meaning generator. For too many people in America, especially in conservative churches, this mentality, good, bad, Us, them. This is righteous, unrighteous. It poisons so many things. This is the root of sin and fall of humanity according to the Bible. Because the tree of knowledge of good and evil is responsible for the fall and exile. Something to think about. Now, let me be clear that it's not that there is no good and evil. There is good and evil. Mass shooting is evil. But what we make of it, what is the meaning we attach to it? What meaning do we draw? How do we interpret these things? And what value we attach? And how do we respond? Those can go very wrong because of the tree of knowledge of Tob and Warah. What a powerful insight from the Bible. I just love the Bible because you just wouldn't think a religious text would say that all the problem is because of knowledge of good and evil. Because, you know, most religion would tell you that we have to tell you what is good and what is evil. And that's why you should come because we know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Even Siri agrees. <laughs> now it'll go to ChatGPT GPT and be part of that. So standing against the tree of knowledge of good and evil, standing against this worldly way of thinking and living is the tree of life, is the cross. The cross is the tree of life. It's the faith proposition that all of us No matter who we are, we are all worth the life of God incarnate, no conditions attached. No conditions attached. That is the special part of the message of Easter. Because most religions will say, you are worthy if you do these things. If you come and follow some guru, if you give a lot of money to church, if you do if you come to church and stay up all night, which I have done, you know, in church settings, that these are the things that make you tobe. That's what most religions run on. But please understand that Christian message is unique, in that it attaches no condition. Bible makes clear. It says, "Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person." Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates God's agape love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Powerful message. Doesn't that make it clear that there were no conditions? The sinner in original Greek in this passage that's used. That word in original Greek is Hamatalon. It means devoted to sin. <laughs> it's not just you are a sinner, you're devoted to sin. <laughs> you are especially wicked and preeminently sinful. Okay? Now read it again. While you were devoted to sin and preeminently sinful and especially wicked, Christ and went and died for you. That's what he said. Now doesn't that strike you a little bit differently? It's not because you chose to come to Easter service on Sunday that Christ died for you. It's not because you believe in some creed, some faith propositions that Christ died for you. There was no conditions attached. Christ just went and died for you because you are a human being made in the image of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are worth the life of God incarnate. Wow, right? Just let that sink in. You are worth the life of God incarnate. What can add to that or subtract from that? And all human beings, each and every one, for God would do this. For one sheep, right? The shepherd would leave 99 for one sheep. It's not for humanity that Christ died. Christ died for you, a single individual. Amen? That is the message of Easter. So this is the radical, scandalous faith proposition. God puts no condition. And this is why the cross represents the tree of life opposing the tree of tobe. And One tree ranks people by some hierarchy using some criteria and that can be even righteousness or riches or whatever. The other tree, the cross, flattens everything by saying when it comes to worth and respect, you are all the same. The life of God incarnate establishes your baseline worth. And nothing can really add or subtract from that. And what makes you Christian or not depends on which meaning generator you are going with. Will you go with tree of knowledge of hierarchy of good and bad? Or will you go with the cross and its message that all are beloved of God? No conditions attached. That determines whether you're a Christian. Right? And I hope you can see from that that Christian faith is radical. It's a revolutionary belief. The world doesn't think that way. The world tells you 24-7 that your worth is determined by whether you got promoted or not. Whether you're pretty or not. Whether you got like a lot of uh, people responding to on your dating app. Well, how many followers you got on Instagram? Uh, the world tells you 24-7 that you slot somewhere in the hierarchy of worth. This is radical proposition. We overlook it. We just kind of take it as granted because so many people in this country claim to be Christian, and, and this country was founded by Christian faith, uh, these phrases and cliches just kind of are all around us. For example, Declaration of Independence, it starts by saying, all men are created equal. And they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Does that ring a bell? Then you have to memorize this in elementary school, right? I mean, it's, it's like background Noise, So we stop really understanding the radical nature of what was written. You know, not many people really believe this or live by this. Not even the author of this document believed it. Right? Thomas Jefferson, he owned slaves and treated them badly. We have historical records. You know? So what did he really mean when he wrote it? <laughs> all men are created equal, and yet you are treating some people like they are cattle. How does that work? It seems to me that what he really believed was all, all white men with property are created equal. Right? That's how he really acted, Right? But maybe he didn't think that would have the same flourish. The phrase gets a little long, right? All white men with property are created equal. Just doesn't hit you the same way. I don't know what the reason is, but what is written is written. It's too late. (laughs) It's enshrined in our Constitution, so it serves the purposes of God. It permeates people's consciousness. And it starts moving the country forward. Because of phrases like this, the court system eventually starts ruling. Well, I mean, if all people are created equal, we can't really do this. It starts moving slowly, slowly, slowly. This is the arc of God's kingdom in human history. This is what it means that the kingdom of God is advancing, that the saints are marching on, the Bible tells us there is no race, no gender, no class, no creed in the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is my paraphrase, but this is basically what it says. Radical declaration, prophetic declaration, 2,000 years before the Declaration of Independence. And Declaration of Independence was seen as a radical revolutionary document. It's only an echo what was declared 2,000 years earlier by Christ. Only an echo. And, and all men, just men? I mean, Hamilton makes, a, makes fun of this, right? Gotta, gotta write a sequel. Gotta include women, right? What do you mean all men just? Women didn't have vote until about 100 years ago. Oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's crazy, Right? But it was 200 years ago. But the kingdom of God marches on. And these boundaries and hierarchies are coming down because of the power of the cross and the resurrection. It is slow, but God is moving forward. There is no gender. Don't make such a big deal out of women, men, transgender, gay. Those are temporal things does not belong to eternal things of God. Stop living by the knowledge of Tob and Wara. Start living by the cross, the tree of life. All human beings are worthy of life of God incarnate. Take that in. Let it transform you from inside out. And let's go change the world so that we don't do Nazis anymore. We don't do, you know, caste systems. We don't do these terrible things that come out of knowledge of good and evil. Let's live by the tree of life, by Easter message, by the cross and resurrection. You are beloved. You are accepted. You are worthy. In the eyes of God, God is the only judge. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you have declared a final word in the cross, in the death of Christ. That you love us. That you have demonstrated your agape, unconditional love in this. That no matter our color of skin no matter our status no matter our sexual orientation no matter race creed no matter what you welcome us all with open arms you put a ring upon our fingers you kill the fatty calf for us and you throw a party that is God's love. Help us to take this into our hearts and live by it every day. Help us to treat everyone we see with respect, and worth and love that comes from you. Help us to be the salt and light in this world as we go out. May the Easter message live in our hearts. Live on in this world, in Jesus' name, amen.